Welcome back to the Sim Geeks Podcast. We are your hosts, William Belk and David Shablock, and we are actually joined by a guest today who some of you may already remember from an earlier episode, Mr. Philip Wortham from Camels here in Tampa. Uh, Phil, you want to introduce yourself again for those who might have listened before? Yeah, so my name is Phil Wortham, and I'm the Director of Operations and Technology here at the Center for Advanced Medical Learning and Simulation, or better known in the simulation world as Camels uh, in downtown Tampa. And we are live, actually, at the SimOps conference right now at Camel. So this is, uh, A, it's the first big conference that we've been to in person following COVID, but also it's the first time that we have recorded an episode of the SimGeeks podcast where we were both in the same room together. Uh, and so this has been, it's, it's a bit of a monumental moment in multiple ways for us. We, going into conference season and actually getting to be in person again is, is actually quite nice. Uh, today we're going to talk about accreditation and talk about why it's important for your sim center, may, why you may or may not want to do it, and the process involved. Uh, so Philip's got some experience with that. David, anything you want to add before we get started? Yeah, I think um, really why we did this is we hear a lot of people that talk about accreditation and it's a hot button, it's a hot topic, and the same word or same sentence I hear uttered all the time is, I wouldn't even know how to begin. Or why do we do it? And, and I hear a lot of whys and things like that. And there's some interesting, you know, takeaways on that. But it's like it, it's huge. It's gigantic. It's a big scary monster that I don't even know how I would start to attack. And really, you know, our format is we try to take topics that are a little bit scary or a little bit large, you know, and we try to give you the good resource. And that's what we want to do. Um, this may actually turn out to be multiple episodes long because we want to try to be a good resource for any center that's trying to accredit. But that's why when uh, I was talking about it with Phil, he was like, well, then let's do it. And we've been talking about this for a good six months at least. And uh, it was nice that everything kind of worked out. Um, you know, I haven't, like you said, I haven't seen you in two years at least since uh, we almost started. Three. Almost three. We started talking about this at IMSH San Diego or San Antonio and, uh, you know, got it going but this is the first time we've been able to record together so yep well phil we're gonna have you just a second i want you to introduce your kind of background with accreditation and make sure we kind of establish why it is that we wanted you to come on and talk to it uh and you know i'm, I'm going through this process right now gathering the information getting buy-in from my team making sure that we're getting everything that we need to actually submit the application uh, and so go ahead and uh, and kind of tell us what's your background with the accreditation process and why might a sim center decide that this is something we want to do it's a very good question. So um, we applied for simulation accreditation through the society. Um, it's been a few years ago in a, in a different institution that I was working in. And uh, so that's where my real work with accreditation started. Um, I got interested in becoming a site reviewer in that work uh, due to uh, the society not having many sim specialists on their team to accredit accredit sites and so i decided i'm going to sign up and i'm going to go for it and i'm going to be a site accreditor which i have done ever since nice yeah um and so that initial process of deciding that our simulation program was going to become accredited started uh my work in accreditation and then i eventually became a site reviewer which i i still am currently so you're a site reviewer on the sim specialist side of it um they Yes, they don't necessarily distinguish between the two, but what they're trying to do through the society is have an interprofessional team that goes to accredit sites. And nice. so um, it's, a, it's a small group of people that are site accreditors, but yes, I am one of those. And what I personally like to focus on is the operational aspects or the technology aspects of See, I didn't even understand that or know that. That's pretty cool. So it's it's really is a wide angle view of the operation, how you do things in a yeah. positive way to make sure 
you're upholding the you know traditions and stuff. That's cool. I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, most most of accreditation is um, of course the educational aspect and how you develop curriculum and your policies and procedures and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But there obviously is a an operational or a business side to it, which for me I could speak to that all day long. I'm not necessarily the strongest in the education side, which you always have somebody there that is. Mm-hmm. Nice. So what are some of the reasons why, um, you know, people hear about it, the terms and all this sort of thing. Why does somebody want to get certified? I mean, there's so many accreditations. There's, you know, medical accreditations and school accreditation. This is just the SIM side of things. What's the benefit? Why do they want to do it? Yeah, I think there's there's several things to think about in that. Um, really, what's your objective? Why, why would you want to become accredited uh, for your SIM center? That's a personal decision between your team, right? Okay. Um, Personally, we decided to become accredited because we felt like it would drive quality um, and safety as well. We wanted to be safe in running simulation, but also give us kind of more of a, um, uh, what's the word? It would give us, we felt like becoming accredited would give us a more of an in with leadership. That the program wasn't just a, you know, it's a fun or a nice thing to do. It's a you need to do this. Yeah. So kind of a legitimacy type. Absolutely. Credibility, legitimacy. Yeah. That makes sense. And any other reasons you can think of? Um, you know, some, some people think of it for prestige, prestigious okay. reasons. Um, I, uh, I wanted to become accredited really specifically to drive uh, best practice in mm-hmm. operational effectiveness. So in becoming accredited, of course, you you get the prestige part of it, and you're recognized, and and you have a plaque on your wall. It really helped us develop our simulation program into a robust robust program that uh, really functioned and operated really efficiently. Um, so driving uh, all your policies and procedures and your manuals and all the things you really should have in place anyway, accreditation forced us to get to that point. So it was more of a professionalism and a growing thing. So it was yep. really something that that made the institution have structure, more Ab- stru- more structure. Absolutely, you know. And we we were a new new ish program. We had been around for uh, two years as the requirement for accreditation purposes, uh, and we had been around for that long. But you know, when we started the accreditation process, we realized. We didn't know what we didn't know. Yeah. That makes sense. No, so, but we use that at my shop all the time. <laughs> so you go through the, the documentation and you realize, oh, we don't have this piece or we don't have that piece. And we needed to, to add those to make the, the full picture. Ultimately, what happened is we became a much stronger program and and were able to grow the program to a larger program than what it was. And it was strictly because of accreditation. Really? That's, yeah. I mean, that, that right there is an impressive thought alone like yeah. the fact that you because of accreditation and that's what I'm restating is you're because of accreditation you got to be a much more professional organization that allowed you to continue your growth and continue your expansion so basically you were kind of a fledgling organization and this is what allowed you to really grow that's impressive yeah I mean we were good we were a very good program before this but it we became a very very good program right okay. very very much organized and uh, in the right place at the right time so we could go to leadership at that point and say because of accreditation we have to do it this way and they would have to buy in because it's accrediting stand standards that we had to live by <laughs> um, 
you know that's that can that can go both ways. It can be good yeah. and bad, but uh, it really did up our game. And and not only did people buy into it, uh, but we had to as well. We had to live by the rules and the regulations we put in place for accreditations. And I see what you mean by good or bad, but also I mean in the end it's good because it's all about making a more quality program for our students that are going to provide better care in the environment, which means we're going to get better care when we need it, and so yep. are our loved ones and everybody out there. So, And really, that's why we do this. That's what drives us is to provide good patient care. Forced so. professionalism, right? It's yeah. That, yeah. Hey, we, we want to get to this point, and so we're going to have to go through all these steps. But once we're there, we don't get to just say, hey, we're done. The accreditation's over. We now have to maintain that level of quality moving forward. Uh, and, you know, and I can try to draw a line. You mentioned medical accreditation. You know, being an educator in a highly regulated industry, on my end, uh, we have our accreditation that we maintain as an medical company, right? And so I already, that's my background with this, is having, I know how to put together folders for an accreditation and mm -hmm. start working through processes because it's very similar and it's a very mm -hmm. similar thing. So it's easy for me to sell that or at least bring that up to my team and say, look, guys, we wouldn't go without that accreditation. We want to be recognized for what we're doing here. So why don't we bring that same level of quality, make sure that we're pushing that same standard that we have for everything else we do and bring it into the Sim Center as well. Yeah. So it's, it's like I joke, it, you know, forced, forced quality or forced professionalism, but it really does. It makes us be better because now it's like, hey, all right, well, you're credited. Now we have to maintain that level or in a couple of years, we won't get to keep it. Yeah. And it's actually, it's almost forced quality because... Yeah. You are, it's not like they were out in the wild in the fields and just made up this accreditation process and like the standards, they went and they found the exact best practices, the best standards, and they made it the standard. And all they're doing is basically saying, all you got to do is live by the standard, you know, have your, your things in line and, you know, we will recognize you as an accredited process. Am I wrong? Is that... Yeah, no, that's that's right. I mean, and if you think of your your favorite fast food joint, you know, that's franchised across across the country. I know we're not talking about no, fast food. No, I love that. I, I can see where you're going with this. This is great. But, you know, if you had people cooking fries a different way at different locations, that quality is terrible. Yeah. So, really from my perspective, what's what's really nice is you're driving the quality of healthcare simulation in your institution. It's great, right? That's actually cool. But you're you are driving overall patient safety and quality and setting standards across the country and, and really globally. We're doing it the same way. We're very organized uh, at the same level mm -hmm. and that's that's why you would accredit, right? So you're you're a franchise doing the same things the same time, the same way for the most part. Yeah, I mean, every yeah. shop's different, and I get sure. that, but it's the standards, the professionalism, and the best practices. Absolutely. So, actually, that's that's a cool way I hadn't thought about. So then, I mean, so it really kind of brings up, you know, we're talking about why we would do it and why it's important, but where do we start, right? When we start looking at these applications, we there's a lot of information. Um, you know, what's your recommendation for, like, an easy starting point to say, you know what, we're starting from square one, here's the first three steps to get moving in the right direction? Yeah, so the um, you can download the blueprint from the SSH website to help you walk through through the process. It is a multi-page document, so it can be very overwhelming. Yeah, it's um, scary. <laughs> it is. Um, it's it's like eating an elephant, right? Uh, my advice is eat it one bite at a time. So the way that the document is structured is it's bullet pointed, and I say take step one. Uh, and that step one might be you need a mission and vision statement listed for your simulation program. Uh, but really just go line by line. Don't look at it as a whole and, and uh, kind of panic or freak out, right? 
one step at a time. But even people look at a mission statement, they're like, I wouldn't know where to start with that. So yep. what's your advice as far as that? So it's interesting. Um, you know, when we went for accreditation, uh, we were not allowed to develop our own mission statement oh, wow. uh, outside of what the institution already had. So we were a hospital-based system, and the system said, you know, there's no other mission statements in any other units or, you know, programs or anything. The, the mission statement for the hospital system is it. Okay. So that was, that was really awesome because what we realized at that point, quite by accident, was we don't need to reinvent the wheel. So... We took that mission statement for the hospital system, but there were standards throughout that blueprint that we said, we don't need to reinvent that policy or that procedure or this or that. If the hospital institution has something already in writing that we live by anyway, use that as your, as your go-to point. Um, and that saves a lot of time. Nice. Um, for a mission statement, not to go too far off, off track, keep it short, right? It doesn't have to list everything you would normally do in your sim program, right? Keep it short and simple and sweet. Yeah, I've had to write a few of these things in my career um, for either nonprofit organization I was working with in Oklahoma, or when I was starting this accreditation, we did write one specific to our sim program, just because our the sim pro there's so many different branches of my company that there really is a difference. Uh, and you know, again, jokingly plagiarism right mm -hmm. look around find one you really like and then modify it to fit your needs right you're not you're not going to sure. plagiarize it or steal it from someone but find you know find examples of mission statements out there and say you know what i really appreciate that however it doesn't necessarily fit me perfectly or fit my program so here's what i'm going to do instead is i'm going to change these things and, and address it um, and that is quite honestly how i came to most of them over the years is simply saying look i know that similar companies or similar people you know people with similar visions are using this type of wording so i'm going to use something very similar to that yeah, I think that bring that brings up a really good point as well. That um, we say, don't reinvent the wheel. Borrow from your own uh, corporation. But there are simulation programs um, that are accredited already. Mm -hmm. Whether it's full or partial accreditation, reach out to your friends within the community and see what they have done. Now they may not share everything, right? And that's okay. But there are tips and tricks that your local sim centers or, you know, stay over or whatever. They've, they'll give you some tips to, to uh, work through. You mean like we've said before on the podcast, you're not alone. You're not, you are not alone in this, yeah. right? And uh, it's the old Steve Jobs thing. Steve Jobs said, you know, good artists create, great artists steal. And it's not stealing, it's borrowing on the strengths of others. Especially when you don't need to start from ground zero if somebody else has got it. So like you went to your organization and it was already basically started for you, you and, and therefore you don't have all that angst and all that nervousness of where do I begin? It's already begun. Don't even worry about that. Just take the ball and go. Yes. So I have, I have, I have a I have a good friend who says not stealing is called living off the land. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Creative borrowing. <laughs> yep. And it's just it's it's using the strengths of other people that have come before you. And again, you're communicating with them, you're letting them know and things like that. It's not, you know, sinister. It's really just you know, therefore, you don't have to start it from, you know, you don't have to worry about the elephant. You just, you know, start from somewhere and build. And again, even when you're accrediting, reach out to other centers that you might be friendly with and say, okay, where were your sticking points? What was the problem? What caused you the most heck? So. And, so, and well, I was just going to say, believe it or not, there are, um, there are people out there that will consult for accreditation as well. Yeah. You have to search around, but there are people you can pay to help you do that. 
it's it's a tricky balance you have to be careful with with going that route and a consultant they may lead you astray it's it may not be best practice but there are people that do it I, i've heard some good and i've heard some bad stories on that and that's yeah i wasn't going to touch that but yeah so just just know what you need so that you know it's like a second opinion yeah so we've talked about your experience you've been through this process with another organization you just recently are coming up or coming for accreditation here as well right uh yeah so the uh camels here in tampa we're coming up for accreditation and our paperwork is due yesterday <laughs> it's due nice. now so um we are ready to submit and and go so the the reaccreditation portion is different than uh the full accreditation it's more of have you kept your documents maintained and you know policies that have changed and whatnot it's still a ton of work but it is uh it's just different okay so it's, it's, are you still maintaining? We already accredited you once. Are you still doing everything we, you promised you, you promised you were going to do? Absolutely. Makes so sense. the, the one piece of reaccreditation of advice, and this works for accreditation as well, is it's preventative maintenance, yeah. right? So don't wait the full three years to say, great, we're, we're up for reaccreditation. We need to go through all of our documents. That's, that's not good, right? Preventative right. maintenance, a little bit at a time. Make sure on your calendar you have set to look at certain policies and keep it up as you go. That's Ma maintain your records. Exactly. Like keeping track of your calendars and your attendees and making sure that you're not waiting until and going, oh, I now I need three years of every event we've held in the facility and here's the schedule. Exactly. There. It's exactly. just like us with our certifications. And yeah. I, you know, I don't mm -hmm. know if you have certification all that as well, but I know I just reserted my, my medics back, la back last March and I'm like, I'm already thinking, I'm like, well, I know my ACLS, BLS lapsed. I need to start getting on that and, you know, research all that stuff. So. So, yeah. talk, so talk to me about this. When we're looking at accreditation, you know, we, we all have different jobs in this. You're a director, mm -hmm. I'm an educator, Dave's a SEMOP. Uh, when we're looking at it, how do we involve everyone and what kind of tasks and roles should we expect each member of the team to be involved in? So where can I, you know, at my level help, where can somebody, you know, at an ops level, where can someone in leadership, where do we, where should we be assigning to each person? And the biggest thing I think off what he just said was how to get that buy-in from everything from my level to his level to your level get everybody on the same page and you know really because there might be some sections that will go like a sim ops will be like, that's not my problem it really is it really is everybody's not problem it's everybody's opportunity it's everybody's way of succeeding but how do we present that in such a way yeah i think you have to have one strong champion to start with okay um so i compare a lot of these things to running a code Okay. So you need the leader at the head of the bed that's going to oversee everything. That's mm -hmm. that's really where I would start. So you have one champion. They're going to go to every member of the team, and they're going to kind of pinpoint who's playing what role. Um, if you don't do that, it's a little bit chaotic. Mm -hmm. um, you might have several champions that want to take lead. Mm -hmm. It's not going to work. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. Got it. Right? So I would say establish who the lead is first okay. and let people know this is the lead for accreditation. So as you work on your section, you're going to report to the lead. The lead will approve or give you direction. Exactly. Okay. That makes sense. So when I started accreditation um, in my former institution, uh, I took that lead. And I okay. said, okay, I'm going to take the lead. That didn't mean I was in charge of everything, mm -hmm. right? So there was a lot of delegation. There was no way that I could have done this without a team. In fact, I was the project manager, really. Everybody else was doing the writing and the organizing and pulling it together, 
Um, so, so you were the orchestrator. You 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 delegated and made sure all the processes got done, but you were also orchestrating it as it came in. Exactly. So um, when you go through that blueprint, it will show you exactly what documents you need and mm -hmm. from what sections. And so there's a lot of educational aspects. We want to see how you develop curriculum. We want to see how you schedule. You know, so. Whoever does those things in your institution should be the ones that pull that documentation or take the lead of that section, right? So I could see a lot of people saying, well, you need to have the one champion. You need to have the one leader, like we said. But some people read that as, oh, that means it's all their problem. So really, that is the person that's delegating and making sure that the right people are filling out the right things. So it's genuine. Yeah, at, so at it's not just of, a fabrication. At the risk of sounding like a corporate sellout, I would use the term champion instead yeah. of leader, right? Like I've got yeah. one person, be that me, uh, or you who comes in and says, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. Here's why we need to do it. Here's how it's going to benefit each of us in the long run. But I need your help, right? Yeah. I need, we need to do this, but you know, I've got six sites. And so for me, it's like, all right, Phil, you're responsible for the Phoenix location. I need the schedule of everything you've done for the last two years with attendees and what kind of simulation events were happening there. I don't, I can't go and track down all that, but you can, because that's your office, right? Yeah. So like, that's, that's kind of how, how I would look at it is don't, don't consider it a lead or a director position as much as you're a champion. You're a cheerleader. Get everyone else excited <laughs> to join in and you know work out through it that way. And Sorry. Oh, you're fine. And it's not the thing the director does. It's not. We killed Phil. You're fine. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, but it's not. Right it's not the thing that the director does. It really is something it's that everybody should be focused on. Yeah. So. You know, with with your teams and assigning roles and responsibilities, it really you really should to be clear and understand who's doing what and where. Um, we, we even in the accreditation process had, uh, had people starting different documents and mm -hmm. formatting in a different way. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, time out, time out. So as the project manager, I said, we're, this is the format we're going to use. I don't, it's fine if you put it in a different format, but please just send me the word document and I will put it into a one structure, all the same font, all the same organization. So not APA, but something in that, you know, rigid, this is what we are going to do so that we work together as one and it's one product. Exactly. Makes so, sense. so with your team, it's key to have constant meetings that you are, or regular meetings that you're going over. Here's where we're at. Here's what we need to do. Here's the problem areas we're, we're finding. So one, one of the issues that we had as well is that uh, people were writing different lengths of things for the accreditation uh, process. So in each section, you have to describe your process yeah. and you'll have some people write a sentence, uh, right, to describe their process. And then you'd have some people writing books. Yeah. Like for this section, I don't need 10 pages describing what, what you're doing. Which run report writer were you? Were you a book writer? No, hell no. Hell oh, okay. No. Get to the point. Get <laughs> yeah. to the point. Explain, you know, hey, you asked me what the process is. Here it is either not bullet pointed, but in real plain context. Yeah. And then when it comes to site visits or interviews. Now, again, I'm speaking for my other accreditation at this Correct. point. Um, but when you get me in a room and then you want to know how it works, I will give you everything you want to know. But as far as, as long as I can show you where the policy is written, it doesn't have to be written out exactly what we expect for every situation. Uh, and think about healthcare, right? When we talk about guidelines or, or even protocols within a hospital or an EMS system, I can't write a protocol that covers every single thing a paramedic is ever going to see in their career. Mm -hmm. But I can write a guideline that says, in these situations, do this. Uh, but you have some autonomy. You still have to make some decisions on your own. 
and and you can still do those kind of things. It, it's not so rigid that well, you know, everything works exactly this way. It's like no, we're going to have situations or events that come up that are different, uh, and in those, this is the policy we follow, even though it's not a checklist for everything we have to do throughout the day. You you want to be nimble enough to to be able to change when needed, but still structured, right? That's the key in writing any policy or procedure. Um, <clears throat> I have an example. So we were accrediting a site and they sent us a 500 page document. That was all of their, um, they followed the blueprint and they, they filled out everything they needed to. It was great. It was a beautiful document, but it was 500 pages long. As a, as accreditors, there's, there's generally, depends on the size of, of your institution, but there's generally three site reviewers that review it. There was no way we could go through the 500 page document. Of course, we read a big chunk of it, yeah. but it's so time-consuming, and for accreditation, you don't need that much detail. Sometimes less is more, yeah. right? Paint the picture and move on. Paint the picture and move on. Okay, yeah. makes sense. Be ready to answer for it. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, exactly. Here it is, but if, if they need more information, be able to call me and say, hey guys, what did you mean by this? Or you know, show us how this works in real time. Okay, we can do Cut that. out the fluff, yep. dragnet, just the facts, man. That's, that's why what they... what. What we're looking for with site reviewing is um, we want to see a, a blurb. You know, it could yep. be it could be a page long, and that's okay. Of describe your process, but then uh, we want to see uh, the proof. So right. in that, you're adding in this is the actual policy on the back end of what it looks like, and I can read the policy. So if you if you have the documentation to back it up and the interviews match up, you're probably fine with that that piece of the accreditation process. So that actually segues me into what I was trying to finish up with here. I was going to ask you, what what are you looking for? Is there anything specific uh, that it, as we're going through this process or as a Sim Center is kind of preparing, there is the checklist, there is the, all the help, and that's been really nice. So on the SSH website, you can download the template for what your agenda or what your schedule should have looked like for the last couple of years. You can download a bio sketch so that you know what information to provide for each of your employees. Mm -hmm. That's really nice. And it doesn't sound like that's always been there, right? Like, But it's there now. It's there now, yes. Uh, and so aside from those kind of things that are really obvious and they're painted for us, what is it either as a reviewer or either on site or wherever you know, with the documentation, is there anything you really want to see? Is there something we should definitely be sure to include that may or may not be real obvious in the application? I think I think what's important to note is the the accreditors are there to help you and not scare you or or shut you down, right? We're there. We're it's the same team mentality. So when we come in, we're really looking for sustainability. We want you to be a sim program for for time and all eternity. We don't want you to go away, right? That's a good point because it's really easy to think it's oh Jesus, it's the cops, you know? Oh, they're here, you know? It's not a um, oh what's the what's the uh, accrediting thing for hospitals? Jaco. Yeah, yeah, Jaco. It's not Jaco. It's this. You are actually trying to grow them as well. You are trying to champion them. You want to see them succeed. That's that's a really huge point that's easily missed. It is. We get a lot of of stress. So the first time we meet with the uh, the simulation teams, you can see it on their face. There's so much stress and anxiety. Yeah. And every site review I've been on, we we say right off. Just relax. You know, we're friends here. We're going to look around, of course, and look under the hood and see what's happening. Yeah. But but we want people to be accredited. That's the purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Same Makes same sense. team. Um, what we generally look for is we want people to be sustainable. And so that's where the policies and procedures come in place as well as how your organization is organized 
and what's what's your financial status and your plan for the future once again it's because we want the programs to exist for a long time we don't want it to fail next year yeah right so that's the whole purpose is to make sure that it it's a quality program and that whatever program maybe it's your program uh, yep. David that it's sustainable right yeah that makes sense um, that's that's the overarching what we're looking for as, as site reviewers so I don't know if you can answer this but if you can when you're looking over an application, if, if obviously if there's something way off, then I understand it could be denied, right? But if you're looking over an application and you see something along those structure or you see, is that something that you'll provide the suggestion and then potentially give them the opportunity to make the change and still be accredited? Or is that a deny, try again in six months? How does that normally work? Um, it's it's a, a delicate balance because um, there are some centers that may not have been accredited uh, because they didn't have a, B, and C pulled together, right? So I can't speak in general, but in the ones that I've been on, there have been little things that have popped up that we say, we need to have this fixed, and you give them a deadline to have it fixed and situated, and then they could still potentially be accredited. So the the thing is, is it's not a, we come in and we interview and then we're out, right? There, there might be a time where we say, there's a few extra questions that we have for you that, um, that we can have answered. So the the way that the process works is somebody will submit their documentation. Random site reviewers are uh, are called in to become a team. We read all the documents, send questions to whatever Sim Center sent in the documentation, mm. and then we have a later date where we do the uh, we call it the on-site review. Now it's virtual, but uh, okay. we do the on-site review. The accreditors or the site, sorry, the site reviewers do not make the decision if you're accredited or not. We merely uh, present to a board uh, our recommendation, and the board is the are the folks who say yes, accredited or, or no. So going back to the documentation, when we said paint the picture, so really you guys are gathering the information to do your report, which again is painting a picture of yeah. a snapshot of how sustainable where the best practices are and things like that. And that makes sense because I know I've looked at the accreditation and it's, it says, oh, you know, best practices, but that didn't have a good mental concept to me. So it really is, you know, how the structure is, how your programs are and things like that. And, and so, like you said earlier, to wrap up, I'm not wrap up, but uh, bring it together is, you know, this is an engine to be able to provide the structure, wrap it together in the best practices, then you just want to paint the picture of what you are doing and give it to you guys, which you present to the board. That makes sense. Yep, absolutely. So our findings and, and some of the documentation that you send goes into a PowerPoint to be presented to that board. Cool. Well, I mean, honestly, I do think that pretty much wraps up most of the initial questions. I think that's enough to get people started. Uh, and of course, there, there's going to be room for us to come back and revisit some of this in depth as questions come in. Um, but Philip, before we do round this up, anything anything you want to add? Anything we've missed? Anything that you have to say on this process? Yeah, the only thing I would add is is don't make it more stressful than what it is, right? So there can be a lot of anxiety involved, but a lot. Keep, yes, a lot, uh, which scares off a lot of people initially. Yeah. Keep it simple, and it's one bite at a time. David, that's anything good. to add? No, that was great because yeah, that's you got to be able to start somewhere. That makes sense. Nope. All right, guys. Well, uh, we appreciate your time. and want you all to have a wonderful night, and we will have additional content coming out from here at SimOps. So, so from SimOps that. 2021.
I'm William Belk, and this is David Shablock signing off. Thank you.